0: And gentlemen, the next United leader States leader heavyweight leader. champion, Ravishing Rick Brown. There's nothing in my dreams, just some ugly memories. Kiss me like the ocean breeze. Please welcome the newest members of the Dangerous Alliance. I'm Anderson and Larry Zabisco. Will be my love. The world's greatest athlete and newest member of the Dangerous Alliance, the world's TV champion, stunning Steve Austin. Nothing left alive but a pair of glassy eyes. Raise my one more time. Please welcome one of Sting's best friends and a little stinger himself, ladies and gentlemen, beautiful Bobby V. Up, it's not an army, it's not a stable, and it's not a family. It's an alliance of businessmen
1: who will bring WCW down to its knees. North South Connection, welcome to episode number three of the Seven Months of Danger podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Sean Kidd, and tonight we're going to look at all things dangerous alliance that happened from November 9th through November 16th, 1991. Before we jump into that, I would like to welcome my co-host as always so first up scott schubert how are you tonight
2: glad to be back sean we made it to episode three um they haven't canceled us yet
1: that's good we did by the way we did get a lot of great feedback on this podcast so for those of you that are listening and those are the first time listeners thank you for that um it was really cool to kind of see some of the feedback we got on twitter and in some of the other chats uh up next matt souza how are you tonight Gentlemen, always a pleasure
3: to be here. Uh, looking forward to talking some, uh, some Bobby Eaton, some Larry Zabisco,
1: uh, Steve Austin, uh, and uh, of course uh, the Patriots. Amazing, and I know our next, my next co-host is really a big fan of Chip, the Firebreaker, Logan Crossan, How are you tonight? <laughs>
4: That's a firebreaker chip, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm happy to, happy to be here, as, as always. Uh, yeah, they haven't kicked us off yet, so we must have done something right on the first one.
1: Yeah, well, you know, as of this recording, episode two hasn't technically dropped on the feed yet, so who knows, maybe we'll be canceled by episode number two, and nobody will ever <laughs> hear this podcast ever, ever again. But, so tonight, guys, we are going to look, like I said, at November 9th through November 16th of 1991, and we have six matches to look at tonight. And we have a couple of promos um, with a Sting promo to end this episode, because this after this episode, guys, we on our next one are going to talk about the Clash of the Champions 17, where it seems like things really, really pick up in terms of the dangerous alliance and where they're headed and when they're forming so that this will kind of get us on the road there. So first up, we are going to November 9th Uh, before, before we start, Logan. As you know, Logan has the role of Loganomics to let us know, hey, what was our worst match and what was our best match so far after the last two episodes? So, Logan, what is our best match watched so far after the first two episodes?
4: Our best match so far is uh, Dustin Rhodes versus uh, Steve Austin. I had a 3.31.
2: Okay.
4: And our worst match is, uh, Mr. Hughes versus Bobby Eaton at a (laughs) (laughs) 0.1875.
1: How does that, like, how does that, I don't even remember how that happens. It's like shift, it's like shift math or something from when we do YouTube roulette. (laughs) Anyway, so we're going to jump right into it. So those are our uh, best and worst match so far, the first two episodes. So we're going to jump right into, oh, by the way, um, Logan, one more time, if you have it up, who was our most dangerous and least dangerous? Did it vary?
4: Okay, our, our our most dangerous on episode one was uh, Rick Rude, and our least dangerous was Larry Zabisco. And then on episode two, uh, Austin was the most dangerous, and then Eaton was uh, least dangerous with all four votes, so...
1: <laughs> all right, well, we're off to a hot start in terms of we have different things happening in two different episodes. I- I don't foresee me ever putting Larry Zabisco as least dangerous, again, just based on his verbal cues that he has in every match. But we'll get into that a little bit. Oh, you don't mean that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I pop big time for Larry talking (laughs) matches, but which will lead us to our first match from uh, November 9th, 1991. This one is from WCW Pro, and it is a match between Barry Windham and Ron Simmons versus the World Tag Team Champions, the Enforcers. And what I do like about this, we kind of talked about it on our last episode. They had two matches that set this up. So it's kind of like a little mini feud they had on their syndicated shows. And now here's the payoff. But what's odd about this one, this is not for the tag team titles, which I find kind of bizarre because it seems like a great opportunity to showcase your tag team champions against. Honestly, you know, Barry Wyndham and Ron Simmons. And Ron Simmons, fresh off of Halloween Havoc and facing the world champion. You would think that's would be kind of a big deal. But we'll see how this goes. So, again, like I said, it was a nice short build coming from the two singles matches we talked in our last episode. Uh, The enforcers are already in the ring as the faces get their intro. So no, no, no tag, no like heel intro for your tag team champions, which I thought was weird. Uh, JR says all of them have big contracts coming up. The Steiners have signed on to meet the enforcers for the titles. And again, we get reference to Barry Windham facing Abdullah the Butcher. And Ron Simmons will meet Ron Hughes of the Lex Luger organization. I love how JR calls these things like organizations and things like that. But the Lex Luger organization. Um, Scott, do you ever remember them referring to uh, Hughes and Luger and race as the Lex Luger organization?
2: No, I don't. That was the first time I'd ever heard it. So it like threw me off. But I come to realize they never had an official name for like this trio, which is very WCW like. I mean, they could have named them like, you know, the gold chasers or something stupid like that from 1990.
1: But, oh, they do that in current day NWA
2: that that's very true that is very true but th- there is nothing there that was named for that but i do like jr saying like that the steiners like all these other matches it makes the organization seem very important um like oh like you know the enforcers are facing the steiners down the line and it also like boosts up house sales i mean house show revenue but as we know from 1990 uh, early 90s wcw no one was going to house shows
1: Yeah, and I don't know if Barry facing Abdullah and Ron Simmons facing Ron, Mr. Hughes and the Lex Luger organization is getting my ticket. I'm just being honest. Uh, So anyway, uh, JR uh, proceeds to scold everybody that if you missed last week's episode, shame on you because you saw the build for this and shame on you because you missed two really, really great matches, which JR very surly when he said that, so I thought that was very funny. Uh, Larry in this match is as vocal as ever. Uh, JR... (laughs) J.R. Uh, claims, claims Arn says Larry was the best partner he had ever had. And we all know that's bullshit. If you've ever listened to the arm pod, he said Larry's one of the worst partners he ever had. So that made me laugh. Uh, There's a hammerlock body slam that I thought was a cool visual because of Barry's size. Uh, Sibin tags in, he does an arm drag to Larry, then lays there holding the arm drag like forever. And Larry just immediately screamed the whole time, but he was still telling people to shut up as he was screaming. So I freaking love that. Uh, Wyndham gets the face apparel as he takes majority of the heat, including a nice throw out of the ring that Arn does on him, where Barry really hits his back hard on the apron. That I thought looked really painful. And then Larry perceiving to call him a jerk, which was also very funny. Uh, Simmons gets a hot tag and got a nice high backdrop on Arn. And Larry follows that up with a sleeper hold way to go there, Ron. Uh, the Ron plays face apparel as he takes a lot of double teaming. Um, and then JR makes a comment that says rest the oxygen to an athlete. It's like gas to an automobile. Um, Matt, did you ever did you um did you not know that oxygen was very important to
3: an athlete? you know i've never heard that before uh thank you jr for telling us that oxygen is important you know uh, uh fellow scientist uh jim ross who knew he had a degree in science to, to tell us that oxygen was important jesus christ yep and I, and I and
1: i also made the comment here i was very happy to be educated by jr's medical <laughs> diagnosis so yeah. you're on point with I what saying, i was, I, uh, I don't
4: <laughs> think it's just important to athletes either i think it's important to all of life
1: honestly a- everybody <laughs> as it turns out <laughs> well i just hear like where does he come up with the? Uh, Oh, it's important to an athlete, and then he compares it to gas in an automobile. It's like, whoa, wow, what the hell did you come up with that line, JR? But anyway, um, let's see. So we move on. Uh, Simmons, I also didn't think was too impressive in this match for me, especially as a guy who was challenging for the world title a few weeks ago. Um, the end comes when Simmons gets pushed to the corner by ref as Barry goes for a superplex. Arms grabs, a ti- grabs one of the title belts, pulls Barry off, second rope, and he clocks him. Given Larry the pin over Barry Wyndham, so I was actually shocked at the outcome of this match, considering it was a non-title match. I was I assumed that Simmons and Wyndham were going to win, but they didn't. So I thought it was a good win for the Enforcers. Um I don't understand why they didn't make it a title match. I thought it was solid for a syndicated main event, but I also but for me, I think my favorite parts of the match were Larry Zabisco being vocal and just being a prick. Um but seeing him and Arm pretty much dominate 12 minutes of this match with two faces and perils, especially, you know. Who they were in the ring with, I thought was weird. And Larry, let's be honest, his offense kind of sucks. So I went two and a quarter on this match. Matt, would you go on this? this uh, this sure was a match that happened, wasn't it? Uh,
3: <laughs> I-, I feel i I feel kind of similar to this. Uh, As I do the last match we had from pro where by pro standards, it was a good match, but I feel like by normal standards, it was just, I don't know, fairly standard stuff. So I went two and a half on it. It was fine. Uh, Larry is just screaming at people at ringside during this match. He called someone at ringside. Ah, Southern hick. And uh, there was another, I thought Larry was kind of terrible in this besides oh, the yelling, like actually awful. in the ring, he was, he was awful. awful. He like was there's, one, there's one part, I forgot who had him in an arm lock, but he was really like overselling it. And uh, pardon me for uh, mentioning this, Logan, but he was kind of like Elizabeth Berkeley in a pool <laughs> S- <laughs> selling Oh, Oh,
1: what a a a reference.
3: If you know, you know.
1: Uh, (laughs) By the way, it was Ron Simmons because it was where he was like selling it. Right. And then he called someone in the audience a jerk and then he went back to selling it.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I'm having inversion problems. I
1: do apologize. (laughs) (laughs)
3: It It was the first thing that came to my head when I saw that. But, yeah, I mean, it was perfectly fine for what it was. Ron, I didn't think uh, Simmons looked all that great either, and I thought Larry was just uh, quite poor here. So uh, I went right down the middle, fairly standard stuff, two and a half for me. All right, Shif?
2: Yeah, I went uh, two and three quarters. I actually liked it a little bit more than Matt did, but just just a very little bit. Um, I think that, you know, yes, Barry got pinned, but he also got hit with the title belt. So it's not like Larry beat him straight up. They did have some help. Um, and it's just shocking like how they you know Simmons as we'll see on the next episode Simmons seems to be the odd man out in this group Um, so I know we'll get to that but like he's positioned pretty well here to be like an ally of Wyndham
1: and then he's not even on the next show But Um, he's got big matches coming up with Mr. Hughes of the Lex Luger organization he doesn't have time for this (laughs) I, I, I guess not
2: him and Him and Mr. Hughes, too busy going at it, and probably a horrible match. Um, But I will say there was a – they did a sunset flip spot here, and Arn was able to get the tag to Larry, which is just like something that Arn does so well when he's in tag team matches that make him one of the best tag team wrestlers of all time. He's just so smooth all the time with little stuff like that that I love. But I kind of enjoyed this match. I enjoyed it more than I thought, but, um, yeah, still, still only two and three quarters.
1: Wow, so far the bottom man on the pole with this one at two and a quarter. Logan, how about you?
4: Yeah, I, I enjoyed it like shifted, but I, I went I went the same as Matt. I went two and a half um, at the start of the match. Barry plays it kind of smart, uh, trying to not get stuck in the corner. Uh, kind of delivers big blows to both Zabisco. And uh, and Arn to kind of get out of the corner as they're trying to trap him. Uh, as y'all have mentioned, Larry's chatter to, with the crowd is always fun. He just calls them stupid rednecks and uh, just yells at them pretty much the whole match. Uh, he does some classic overselling on the armbar by screaming. He's almost he's not quite as loud or as obnoxious as Lex Luger, but he's he's to the levels of that when he's you know what. But
1: I hate bar. it when Luger does it. When Larry does it, I laugh <laughs> and I'm entertained. And I don't know why. Because he's just it. like oh wow ah. yeah. I, I just don't understand, like Luger's is like, ah, oh. like well, Matt has a great Luger, but anyway. Wow! Yeah, so the, like for me, the Zabisco stuff's more fun. I don't know why, I just enjoy it, but go uh, ahead. Uh,
4: yeah, um, but uh, at one point Arn was reaching for a tag and kind of fell in the ring uh, as he was reaching. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, Barry had some pretty good focused arm, arm work on the heels uh, a couple of cheap shots kind of turned the tide, obviously. And uh, Barry at one point gets thrown out of the ring, and his back nails the hardest part of the ring. So yes. I had to get that mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but towards the middle of the match, Barry's kind of a dummy. He distracts the ref long enough for uh, for Larry to come in and kind of help Arn out of a submission. So uh, Barry was smart at the beginning, but kind of got dumber as the match went on. Um, Arn comes off the top at one point and Barry nails him in the stomach. Always love the little front flip cell that they do on the shot to the gut when they're kind of jumping off the top rope. Um, Wyndham at the end of the match comes in. House of Fire really takes it to both uh, enforcers. Uh, and then the bell shot of the win I kind of liked as an effective way to not make Windham look bad, but, uh, you know, they, it, it showed how smart the heels were, how they could distract and use uh, a little cheap tactic to get the win. But, uh, yeah, like I said, I went two and a half.
1: Excellent. And by the way, one thing I did not mention is uh, Wyndham here still not selling the hand from Halloween Havoc as this match was. Uh, so this is Aaron on November 9th. Uh, this match took place uh, before Halloween Havoc as well. So WCW, everybody. So, Logan, as uh, what, what's the final? You have the final tally on that one? Uh, it's two and a half. All right. So two and a half. So pretty decent weekend uh, main event with some entertaining things. But I think Susan brought it up. The best is with these guys in the ring, you expect them to go like full tilt, but. Honestly, they take like three or four episodes of these. So they really had to pace themselves. That's probably why we get some of these like two, two and a half matches. But still, for a weekend syndicated show, it's a pretty big made event. And um, back in the day, I probably would have been all over this. So we're going to move to Saturday night uh, on November the 9th as well. Uh, This one, I am probably going to get annihilated for. So it is the York Foundation (laughs) uh, versus everybody's tag team, uh, everybody's favorite tag team, the Patriots. And Bobby Eaton. So the first note I made in this, and I was really thinking through this about the York Foundation. So Terry Taylor and the York Foundation are supposed to be like the computerized man and the teams of the future. And what I found really interesting about it is Tommy Rich, Ricky Morton, and <laughs> Terry Taylor. There is nothing more early to mid-80s wrestlers than these three that are supposed to be our wrestlers of the future. So I thought <laughs> that was very funny to me. Um, and also, it's also amazing to me that no matter what the gimmick is, Terry Taylor is Terry Taylor. Like, you could put lipstick on a pig, but this guy is still going to be Terry Taylor. Mm-hmm. And, what I, and what I also thought through with this is the way that they try to distinguish him as a computerized man of the 90s is they give him a ponytail. Like, it's kind of <laughs> like today when they do the heels, they give him the beard and the goatee. The Back then, they just gave you a ponytail and you were a heel. And uh, that was Terry Taylor's gimmick, even though he looked like Terry Taylor. Uh, JR plugs his hotline as I look at Todd Champion of Firebreaker Chip. And I still don't understand what makes them Patriots. And I don't, I don't get, like, what is firebreaker chip, and why does that make him a patriot? And Todd Champion, like, why? So Matt, why are these two patriots? I don't understand.
3: Uh, fuck if I know. We still don't know what a goddamn firebreaker is. Never mind what a patriot. Well, is. I know what a
1: firebreaker is. It's like the axe thing they use, but I don't think that's what they were going for with Chip. So that's what I don't. Uh, I see. Yeah. I, 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 the only thing, like I can half get it with.
3: Uh, the fireman there, just because. Oh, he's he's a patriot. He saves people. He puts out fires. And uh, Todd Champion is a patriot because he's big and has the name Champion. Like, oh, I don't know. Uh,
1: see, I wrote that. I said he's a patriot because his last name's Champion. We're on the same page once again. <laughs> uh, and they also—that's oh, terrifying. It is. And they also hold the U.S. Tag Team titles that should just, like I said last time, should just be dead in the water. It's such a disgrace these two idiots have these belts. Um. <laughs> So couple face on the match champion loves headlocks. Uh, JR brings up Morton and Eaton knowing each other, uh, like a book as they face off. So I appreciated another history lesson for Jr. Uh, chip takes the face of peril. Heat. Taylor, I thought hit a nice gut wrench power bomb. Bobby gets tagged in. I think he takes a nice bump off of apron to the railing on a Taylor knee to the back. Then he gets worked over by the foundation. There's lots of piped in Bobby chance, which again, uh, I, I don't get that. Uh, rich then also enjoys chin locks taylor gets kind of a vicious on his offense and i thought it was good i don't like the fact that i like stuff that terry taylor does it's really bugging me at this point um i liked bobby getting kind of that i don't know if you guys remember this spot a lifting backbreaker to taylor that looked really really good and painful um oh then morton comes in and does chin locks i think eaton is fantastic selling all the moves and overall the headlocks and the chin locks aside um i did think the uh york foundation had some pretty good tag teamwork particularly taylor uh, Firebreaker Trip, as JR called him, was pretty good on the hot tag. And by the way, I don't know if you caught it. He called him Firebreaker Trip. Did you guys mm-hmm. catch that? Uh, okay. I missed that. Yeah. So we are now going to call him Trip the Firebreaker just to piss you <laughs> off. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the end comes with all six in the ring. Taylor rakes Eaton's eyes and Chip goes to check on him. But Bobby's supposedly blind. Blinded and he clocks Chip thinking he's one of the foundation. Champion and elbows Morton to, uh, to face, allowing him to fall on top of Chip for the three. Uh, Taylor then thanks Bobby for, for the win. <laughs> He's being a total dick and Bobby punches on As Bobby Keeps selling his eyes. Uh, listen, there were some slow laws and Todd champion absolutely sucks. Um, uh, but I love Bobby's face in peril. The foundation heel tag work I thought was good. And I thought the end was kind of creative, um, and kind of sets up what you probably didn't realize guys, as we go to our next episode in a, in a match that I'm sure every single one of you are going to shit on. If you really think about this match it kind of sets up a match we see at the clash based on what happens between Eaton and Chip. So who knew that we had a storyline of uh, Chip versus Eaton coming up at the, at the uh, clash. So I oh kind boy. of thought that, I thought that was kind of cool <laughs> symmetry. So I'm just trying to pick out the positives here. So it, I'm going to get shit on so much. I like this match. And I think again, it's because of Eaton selling and God help my God, Jesus Christ helped me is because of Terry Taylor. Um, I went two and a half. My biggest fear now is I have seen Taylor multiple times on this pod and I've enjoyed his work. And I absolutely hate it. So, Matt, I'm going to go for you first to get shit all over what I just said.
3: (laughs) I'll I'll say this. I'll say this. Yes, your two and a half rating is completely absurd. But I I agree with uh, a lot of your points. Like, I think... I, I think Bobby, in in particular, worked his ass off to try and make this match into something watchable. Now, I I don't think he necessarily got there because the Patriots absolutely suck, and whatever good work Bobby Eaton did was negated by the Patriots'
1: uh, suckitude. I, I guess. See, maybe that's oh. where I didn't see it. Like I didn't I didn't let it negate how much I enjoyed eating in this match. So that's the well, well, see, that's where I come in because yeah. I did. <laughs> because,
3: <laughs> I get it. I get I it. I, I just think they are so fucking awful. They don't do anything. They're they're just big and muscular and do headlocks. That's like that's all they do. Uh, Ricky Morton, I, I say again, Ricky Morton as a heel. Excuse me, Richard Morton uh, as a heel makes zero fucking sense. It still does. And uh, it, it's funny that you said uh, T- Terence Taylor, the computerized man of the '90s, because he, he looks like he doesn't even know how to use a fucking rotary phone. But
1: not even with his ponytail.
3: <laughs> no, no. It turns out a ponytail can't help you dial a phone. But yeah, I mean, it was fine. I I think, I I think Bobby, like I said, tried his damnedest and he busted his ass off. He was bumping all over the place for these uh, slugs to be perfectly nice. But yeah, I I, I thought it was perfectly fine. Uh, Eaton almost single handedly got this to a two star match, but not quite because of the Patriots. I only went a star and a half.
1: So Matt, you don't think Taylor was pretty good in this too, though? No, (laughs) not at all. Interesting. (laughs) All right. Unlike other shows I do with you, I will respect your opinion on this show because this is a very serious podcast. Since since when? (laughs) Well, you know, I I respect your points as well. I'm not sure I like this new Sean. No, you said you respected my points, so I'm going to say I respected your points. That's my fault. fault All right. So someone who won't respect anything I said, Scott, what did you say?
2: I, I really did not enjoy this match. There was a lot of stalling at the start, and then we get Eaton versus Morton. But it's only for thirty seconds, and it's like mm-hmm. what a tease. This match is so bad that Jr. even sounds bored. This is early nineties uh, Jr. See,
1: here we go. This is not. You're wrong, but okay, go ahead. But I will say that I uh, think that's just how he sh- sounds, Shif. Yeah, before okay. you know,
2: Power yeah, Knocker. <laughs> um, but I will say that Taylor had a nice gut wrench power bomb. Yes. And, um, I actually enjoy like the York Foundation actually showed some nice chemistry in the ring.
1: Let me see Bobby
2: getting the our visual pin and you know um and Bobby is so smooth too because he had a nice right hand when he was getting picked up for the suplex to reverse out of it but even after all that I still want a star and a half um if we cut off like the Patriots and just had like maybe Eaton and Taylor again because I really loved that match in the first episode of them two I would have enjoyed it a whole lot more maybe more Eaton and Morton instead of all of 30 seconds which seemed like a tease but yeah just a star and a half for me
1: all right, Matt, what did you go on this one? Star and a half, same. Star and a half. Logan, what'd you think?
4: Okay, so during your uh, wanking explanation uh, of this match, <laughs> uh, I actually looked up, and Todd Champion was bu- or was billed as a former uh, Marine or member of the Army, so that ah, was... That
3: that makes was sense.
4: That was what made him a Patriot. Mm-hmm. So we have a f- fireman and a former uh, uh, army member from the desert storm. He's so, why a didn't
3: they just, He's a so why breaker. didn't you just name him Todd Marine? Uh,
4: who knows?
1: How about Marine champion and Todd, and Todd <laughs> the fireman or uh ship, the fireman, like what are we doing? Anyway. The,
4: they were, they were trying to be too smart for their own good. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I hated this match as well. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm a chef. I actually went lower than both other guys. I want to star in a, Star in a quarter. Uh, worst three arm drags I've ever seen uh, by Chip. Chip early in the match. Uh, Bob, I, one one positive thing out of this match, beautiful Bobby throws a really awesome clothesline, as we'll see plenty throughout these uh, next next couple episodes. Um, Chip, on the other hand, is horrible, and he sucks horribly bad, and does a horrible sleeper at one point. Maybe the worst I've ever seen. Hey,
1: so bad that JR calls him trip.
4: Yeah, that's that's right <laughs> uh bobby takes a really nasty shot into the railing at one point i thought that was kind of gross um i'm so glad this match ended with uh bobby nailing chip with a big punch uh because there's a seed of doubt there as to whether he meant to do it or was he really blinded by the rake to the eyes or whatever happened to him before that plus i like seeing uh chip get decked with a punch so um and mm-hmm. one last note on this match mike adkins is on my shitty ref list now because <laughs> he is horrible in this match so <laughs> yeah i went a star in a quarter
1: Star and a quarter. So what is that t- final tally? Do you have that? Uh one point six eight. And that's all because of you, Sean. <laughs> uh I, I I listen, I I I do I do hear your points. I do, but there's just something Bobby Eaton was just so good in this match, I just I don't know. There's something good about it. But Sean Kid, big fan of the Patriots. That's what I'm hearing. Oh well, <laughs> you, well, you wait. So Logan, you said you were really glad to see Eaton punch tip. I hope you feel that way when we uh cover their singles match on our next episode that this set up. So I hope you feel the same way and say the same thing then. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. All right, all right. So we're gonna move over to November sixteenth, and we are going to look at an episode of Worldwide and kind of a cool on paper uh, six man here, but I feel like one of these things isn't like the other. <laughs> <laughs> so, I made the same note. <laughs> so so we, got, we got we got Dustin Rhodes and Bobby Eaton with Tom fucking Zank <laughs> versus oh I'm sorry the yeah, Z man yeah, yeah. the yep. Z man yeah 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 guy. versus um, Steve Austin and the Enforcers. So, okay, so let's put Zick aside. Still pretty good, but definitely the odd man out in here. So another six man, uh, and Austin is still out with Blossom, so clearly the split hasn't happened yet. Uh, Again, the alliance still not formed, and they have managed to do this match, which at least helps in the storyline narrative, I think, whether it was intentional or not. Uh, This match, would you guys like to guess when this match was actually recorded? So we're on November 16th. Would you like to guess when this match was recorded?
2: (laughs) I'm going to say September
3: 13th. I was going to say, it's worldwide, so it's probably around a month, like five, six weeks,
1: maybe. October 22nd. Okay. So, oh, that's,
3: that's closer than I thought.
1: In, yeah, yeah. So, it's not as far in advance as I would have thought. <laughs> so, before Halloween Havoc, so, like, all the matches we've watched so far, it's all been before Halloween Havoc. Mm. Um, I forgot, uh, Morgan, I made the comment, I forgot how bad Z-Man's yeah, yeah, yeah theme was. <laughs> Another comment. Um, and then, by the way, I almost feel like they dubbed in a Jimmy Garvin interview into a music riff. Did you guys hear that? There was like a Jimmy Garvin interview that they put into a music riff with the yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was talking about with like, if you think about it, that's Jimmy Garvin saying that.
4: Oh, wow.
1: He's involved in that. I don't know if you ever knew that, but I actually read up. There is Jimmy Garvin doing the yeah, yeah, yeah. in that, they that, just even,
4: that just makes it even worse. Yeah. Uh, yep.
1: You beat me to it. I'm just yeah, going to say so, that. <laughs> so, well, we, we also give historical facts on this podcast. So I want to make sure that everybody knows Jimmy Garvin is in that. Uh, Tony is du- um, obviously dubbed in at this point as he mentions Havoc and says Dustin clearly angry at what happened at, uh, at Halloween Havoc. He also mentions Dusty and Barry getting their tag shot on the informers this coming week, which will be uh, the informers, the enforcers this coming week on The Clash. Um, which we will cover on our next episode. He also speculates if Barry can compete in that match or not, but says Barry is still competing in the ring right now. So at least they're trying to dub in and cover off on hey, we, you don't really know at this time that this is pre recorded before Halloween Havoc, but we're going to try and sell it with the dub in this. I think Dustin and Arm have a great sequence to start, and then Arm smacks Bobby in the face when he ends up in the corner. Uh, Bobby and Arm then have a great bunch of reversal spots on each other that ended with an arm getting punched in the face. Bobby's punches are amazing. Uh, Bobby missed a roll up because he slipped, but did a hell of a cover job on it and switched to a different pin, um, pin attempt, which I thought was really good. One thing I've discovered in his pod, and I know unfortunately on our last episode, he was the least dangerous. Bobby Eaton is very damn good. Um, Austin, Austin, also very good in this, taking the face offense crowd as usual shit on Larry when he tagged in, uh, (laughs) um, which was fantastic. Uh, the hill work on Dustin between the enforcers and Austin is pretty great. Even Larry didn't phone it in. I felt like. Um, and his vocal is always in this match. Dustin is the fighting babyface, is incredible. Um, and it's really insane to me how good Austin is not even two years into this business and how far Dustin has come since Royal Rumble earlier this year. Um, Arn Spinebuster, shit talking and tagged to Austin versus pinning them cost Austin a small package, lost to Dustin out of nowhere. The heels immediately attack Dustin and Z Man, and then Austin fall outside the fight. Bobby clearly stalling to come in, so there's another. Hint of what's going on to help um, that Tony actually points out. He finally runs in, and so we're very clear now where this is going with Bobby. The seeds are planted a bit in this match and, now, and also in the Patriots match we just talked about. Really good nine-minute match. Dustin, Austin, Eaton, and Arm really shine which is no surprise, but everyone I thought played their part in this match. Um, I kind of wish it was longer, though. I went three and a quarter stars, and Schiff, I'll go to you first.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this match, too. Uh, I went three and a quarter as well, and... Um... Yeah, I just got lost in it because it was so good. Like Bobby and Arm have Arn have amazing chemistry with each other. And it's crazy that um I know with Crock and Roll, if we ever get to it in eighty eight, we do see the start of a Midnight Express versus um Enforcers feud before Arn and Tully leave.
1: But so unfortunately, like- we don't get a real payoff like televised yeah, because, pay-per-view for that. Because they, yeah. they
2: leave and um I don't even know if they really drop the titles, but um but like you said, Dustin is really good. Like, he's really good as a babyface who can take an ass whooping because they leave him as, like, surprisingly the one that gets most of, like, beat down the most. Um, I was shocked that, um, that Austin got pinned. I thought Z-Man was going to be the one that got pinned there. Mm-hmm. But um, I, and like you said, after the match, how Bobby didn't help Dustin when he's getting beat down. And, like, they did it perfectly because Z-Man is out, outside of the ring fighting with Austin. And, like... Eaton's just, like, taking his sweet time, like, checking his watch. You know, if he had a cell phone, he would have looked for a cell phone. But um, it's nice foreshadowing, and I feel like um, these two matches that we've seen with Eaton today uh, paints the picture for what may be going forward in, for, in further episodes.
1: Yeah, um, so you went three and a quarter.
2: Yes, sir. Sorry.
1: Yeah, so I mean, if you take one thing away for WCW so far, they're doing really good, at least for Eaton, they're doing good about laying the groundwork for what's going to happen with him. So I, I give him full credit for that. Um, Matt, as I look at the six man tag, I also realize, wasn't it Austin that took a pin from uh, Michael Hayes on our last episode? If I remember, I believe you are right. (laughs) All right. So Austin eating the pins, at least he didn't eat the Tom Zink in here and he lost to Dustin. So what'd you think of this match?
3: Yeah, uh, I, I like this quite a bit too. I went uh, three stars on it. Uh, just a, a great pace to this. I mean, it, it was, like you said, it was under 10 minutes and just really nonstop action. I, I think the finish out of nowhere, I wasn't the biggest fan of it because it kind of felt like they were still building the heat segment and then it just ends. I mean, I, mean, I get it. It's worldwide. It's only an hour long show, so you're kind of limited as to what you can do, but still, maybe another three or four minutes wouldn't have, wouldn't have hurt. Uh, I, I think Uh, Lady Blossom blowing the kiss at the camera Gave me herpes (laughs) Uh, And um I will say, I think, you know, we were all pretty disappointed by Bobby and I think on the, either the first or the second episode, I forgot which one, but I think, uh, in this match, he really shined. And I think this was, uh, probably the best he's looked so far uh, in this match. He was just fantastic him and Arn, like Schiff said, just have unbelievable chemistry and he was fantastic in this match. So, uh, yeah, uh, great stuff here for me. So three stars.
1: Yeah, and again, I you know, Bobby's on his way to winning the most winning the most dangerous on here because he carried the Patriots to a halfway decent match too. Regardless of my score, it was still <laughs> it, was, it was his match. Uh Logan, what'd you think of this?
4: Yeah, I, I'm right there with Matt. I, I went three stars. Uh yeah, Eaton and Rhodes were just awesome in this match. I thought those open with Rhodes and Arn was really good. Uh there was a good big counter exchange between uh Bobby and Arn at one point too. Uh Austin acting scared of zinc getting tagged in was pretty comical to me because I'm like Austin you can kick the crap out of this guy. Why are you acting afraid of him? But <laughs> I know he was just being a good heel. Um, but uh Rhodes chases Sabisco around the outside at one point. I thought that was hysterical because Sabisco's just like
1: oh, oh, you know? so, <laughs> how do you not just, enjoy Larry's a bit? Yeah
4: okay. I, I was a, it, yeah that was is wrestling
1: moment. Just personality wise, he makes it all for me. I'm just, it is, it's crazy. Mm.
4: Yeah, absolutely, um, but it's just a marvel to me how quick and agile Dustin is for his size, because he's a big, big boy, and he can move pretty fast, and he can leap pretty high and stuff like that, so it's really amazing to me. Um, the heels do some good wearing down on roads throughout the match, but uh, the flash, I, I kind of like the flash roll-up, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I The only reason I went three and didn't go a little higher is because it wasn't as long as I, I would have liked it to have been. I think, Sean, you commented on how it was probably a little shorter than you would have liked it to be, so that was what kind of kept me at three, but I really enjoyed it as well.
1: Awesome. So what's the final? I keep going to Logan last so we can get the tallies quicker, by the way.
4: Yeah, yeah, I got you. It's
1: 3.125. Awesome. Does that overtake the one from the last episode at this point?
4: Uh, No, Dustin and Austin was a 3.31. All right.
1: Anyway, still a really, really great syndicated match. And if you think about the syndicated match we talked about with Pro, this one is way better and really, really good. So I would recommend go out of your way to find this match. It's on Worldwide Wrestling from November 16th. Uh, 1991, and it can be found on YouTube. Really, really good match. All right, we're going to move into Saturday night of November 16th, and we're going to actually have a promo here uh, between Dustin and Arn. So after a match against a jobber, JR is interviewing Dustin. Um, Dustin's music uh, here prior to the natural theme to me is very great value money for nothing. I don't know if you got that. <laughs> I figured you would pick up on something like mm-hmm. that because it sounds just like it. Uh, yeah. JR Yeah, Jr. hypes the tag title match for Tuesday and asks about Barry's wrist. Um, Dustin says, Barry will be there if he can. And says that, if, uh, and then you know, he says, especially if the enforcers have the guts, this brings out Arn, like very, very cool looking Arn, um, in his wrestling gear and glasses. Uh, don't know why he's wearing the sunglasses, but for some reason, they popped <laughs> me. Um, Arn talks about back in the day, his grandfather told him, uh, until children hit puberty, they should never, they should be seen and not heard and tells Dustin to shut his mouth. Basically, he says Barry's gonna be gone forever, and don't take your young career and hop on that lightning bolt. And then he says Barry should have expected it, knowing how Arn operates. Which I really love that. He tells Dustin not to use the enforcers to glorify his career. Um, walk away and save your life. Um, and, and you'll save your life. He then smacks Dustin's chest, and then he and it does his face in that pissed off kid kind of fashion. Dustin says, uh, "Get in the ring, Arn. Who then takes off his uh, takes his glasses off. Crowd is hot for it. Arn says he picks a spot and walks away. Dustin hops back out and says he will be there at Clash as JR questions if Barry will be there. Dude, Aaron is so freaking awesome. How he like came out there and how he handled Dustin, this promo was really, really great. And I thought Dustin did a great job holding the zone. Um, I do wish that Dustin would try it less at this point to sound like like less like his father. Uh, because when he talks, he wants to sound like Dusty Rhodes and he doesn't need to do that anymore because he's actually really good on his own. Uh, but it was a short and sweet promo. And again... Aaron very rarely fucks up a promo for me. And I love this to set up the match for uh, the class. Uh, Matt, what'd you think?
3: Yeah, uh, I, I thought this was really great. I, I also picked up on uh, Dusting Dustin, Dustin sounded like <laughs> sounding like his father. Uh, yeah, uh, I think he could probably get rid of that now because he's kind of been established here as kind of being his own thing. Maybe eventually he could pick it back up, but right here he doesn't really need it. And Arn was just fantastic, and uh, what Arn was wearing was also quite something. So the glasses <laughs> and all that, good lord. but. Yeah, uh, just a fantastic promo here. I love the line how he says uh, he tells him just to walk away because it may save his life. I thought that was just such a fantastic line.
1: So, yeah, great promo here. Yes. And, you know, again, some of these promo are promos are far and few between in this era. But I, and Schiff, as being on crack and roll, you know how much we always pop for a good RN promo. And I think this meets the expectation of that. First off, he comes out just oozing pure sex appeal in his <laughs> gear and his glasses. That's.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yes. Yes.
2: Looking like the coolest. Motherfucker. Or, yeah. Motherfucker. Um, and you left out, you guys left out the best line. He tells Dustin that kids that haven't hit puberty, they should shut up.
1: I did say that. Oh, sorry. Uh-huh. Thanks but, for uh, listening,
2: Scott. <laughs> I'm here for him. Um But no, just, just a hell, hell of a promo. And, you know, I know Dustin was kind of leaning a lot into Dusty there, but I kind of like the fire that he had with telling him to get in the ring right now. Um, it you know it shows that Dustin's not like a never back down. He's a never back down uh, baby
1: face. All right, very good. And Logan, last but not least, what do you think of this one?
4: Yeah, I thought it was really strong. And like y'all have been saying, Dustin really held his own. But Arn comes out just looking absolutely ridiculous in his tights and then some sunglasses. You know, <laughs> you know what?
1: Arn, a Arn looks like my dad in the '70s when he would when he would like when he would like come into the house like from work. Yeah, I was, was going to say, there's time. like, sh- there's strong like uh, grandfather coming yeah. home from the steel mill yeah. energy. Like, <laughs> but but it would be like my dad where he would saunter in with his, like Scott said, like supposed old man sex appeal with his last <laughs> time. And my dad would sit in his recliner and pick up his hustler and read it like he's a bad motherfucker. That was my interpretation of Arn. But I'm sorry, Larry, Go ahead.
4: No, yeah, he he, he looked like a badass nonetheless. But just uh, you know, throwing a little jacket, you might have looked a little less ridiculous. But <laughs> yeah, he did, he definitely was oozing sex appeal, as uh, Scott said. But yeah, I, I thought Arn's stuff was really great. Telling Barry, uh, t- saying that Barry's done, and if he's smart, he'll stay away from the business and never challenge him and uh, him and Larry with Dustin. But um, yeah, just it's really strong from. Uh, Arn and then Dustin kind of held his own, like y'all said. And I thought it was real awesome that he showed that fire that Scott was talking about and kind of challenged him to a match right then and there. I thought that was really
1: cool. So, yeah, I love that. Don't use the enforces to glorify your career. Oh, that was so, but mm. I, you know, it's you know, it's so cool. I, I just don't understand. Like, literally in January of this same year, Dustin was in the WWF, and like, you don't even see a hint of any of this greatness that he has. And I know, and part of me thinks that because Dusty was pushing him down everybody's throat, Dustin wanted to go out of his way to prove to everybody that, you know what, I'm not my dad, I'm not my dad, I can go in the ring, which he does, because he's already better than his dad ever was in the ring, at least in later years, Mm -hmm. um, at least from a wrestling standpoint, but I think that's kind of the last hit for him, get rid of the dad voice, you're a wrestler standing on your own, and this is what really happens to him, that's one of the great highlights of this time frame we're going to go through, these 20 episodes, it's not only the Dangerous Alliance but the evolution of Dustin, which is a whole nother side story. But yeah, this is really really good shit. Alright, we are still on Saturday night, and speaking of uh, shit, we are going to transfer to our <laughs> next match, um, which is the most random fucking match I think I have ever seen in my life. So, it's Big Van Vader, teaming with Steve Austin, which, okay, yeah, that's fine. He, the Alliance has it for him, so I'm okay with that. But they're taking on Tom Zink and P- PN News. And if you had asked me like in like 1992 or 93, like later 93, if uh, Vader was going to feud with P News, I would have laughed in your face. But unfortunately, here's where we're at. So very random. Um, I have never I have I never need to see Z Man or P News sing Yo Baby, Yo Baby, Yo, <laughs> or dance ever again. Tom Zink, the Z Man, is the worst like vanilla dancer to a rap song I've ever seen in my yep. life. Um, uh, Vader with the smoking helmet was amazing. JR proudly says that News and Vader are super heavyweight, and they have signed for a match at the Omni at Battlestars 91. And the first note I made on that is, oof, poor Vader. Uh, this guy is amazing, and he's got to go to the Omni and main event against PM News. Um, by the way, spoiler, Vader wins that match, so at least that happens. Uh, first, yes, JR spends the first part of the match discussing Luger versus Rick Steiner for the title at The Clash, which we'll cover a little bit on our next episode. Um, I will say that I was a huge Steiner fan at the time, so I was excited for that main event. Um, And the way they had set that up, Steiner had a pin on Luger in a spur-of-the-moment match that actually led to that. But again, that'll be more in our next episode. Uh, Steve and Z-Man exchange arm holds. Um, PN News wiggles his ass at Austin in his atrocious neon green spandex. (laughs) JR mentions that uh, PN News and Steve Austin will meet for the TV title at The Clash. Um, and then Jr. says, "I won't mention News's waistline." Then he says, "It's a rather ample waistline." So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Z Man is extremely annoying on the apron, trying to get the crowd in the match as Austin can't take the big guy down and gets hit with a what I thought was a shocking good power slam uh, from News. Uh, and then CMP and News jiggle his shit on Vader was both sad and comical, knowing the <laughs> legacy of Vader. Um, also G-boy comical, <laughs> also comical is WCW making this their big man feud. Uh, one of these, like uh, like I said earlier uh, in our six-man match, one is clearly like the other. I think in the Vader versus PN News uh, feud, I think you could clearly say one is not like the other as well. I mean, this is just—anyway, it's a fucking mess. Um, Vader pummels news brought me great joy. News getting any offense on Vader was absurd. They both slam each other, which I thought was visually impressive. Uh, and then PN News actually gets a dropkick, sending Vader over the top rope that I do not need to see uh vader redeems himself killing Zink with a clothesline uh does a press and power slam to him um another ridiculous part is zinc super kicking vader to the chest and vader flying out of the ring like he got hit with a freaking like bulldozer um and then the end comes when zinc pushes uh gets pushed to his corner by the ref news goes up on goes up and hits a top road splash in austin and vader then elbows him and puts austin on top for three and all is right in the world I, listen The match itself, there's some good stuff in it, but I can't in my heart like give a good rating to a PN News and Tom Zink tag team match where (laughs) Vader has to sell for PN News, and that fucking dropkick that he had to sell for Zink was embarrassing. Um, I am going to go one star in this match. By the way, did I also mention these assholes wrestled 13 minutes? So (laughs) one star for me. Matt, I will go to you. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Yeah, I'm kind of with you.
3: It, it wasn't great, but honestly, it could have been a lot worse. It, given it really given yeah. that PN yeah. News was in this, I month. actually
1: had it one and a half, but I got very angry when I started talking about it, so I lowered yeah. my score to one.
3: <laughs> and that's actually that's actually what I went. I went a star and a half on it. I mean. It started super slow, but it actually picked up a little bit by the end. Uh, I didn't realize we were already going to talk about Battle Bowl here, because that's what this tag match was. Like, I feel like this is right out of the fucking Battle Bowl playbook with this these oh, fucking th- th- Well, teams. we could
1: maybe say that match is what inspired Dusty to create it, which we'll talk about again on our next episode.
3: Oh, so. good. So you know what? Just for that, I'm going to lower my rating on this. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, given who was involved, it was fine. I thought Vader uh, ruining News' day with those punches and lariats, I thought that was great. And then he fucking body slammed the man. Just turns out Vader is a strong human. Who knew that? But uh, yeah, I mean, not much more to add on this. It was was a long match, which was uh, certainly unwelcome but i think had they tightened it up a little bit it maybe would have gotten close to two stars with how it ended but uh, as is yeah a star and a half for me all
1: right and yeah so i will say for me i think austin wasn't i don't think he shined too much in this um versus what vader did so that (laughs) was a little disappointing but um i will go to you shift what did you think of this one
2: yeah, yeah, just echoing what you guys said. It, it was a bad match. It was a long 13 minutes. I did think it was weird that Vader was wrestling without his helmet. I mean, without his mask. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was barely there anyway. Let's be real. Um, Vader's mask was basically like a job strap. But um, <laughs> Vader dominating PN News was pretty good. But I, I was actually legitimately scared for Austin when PN News went to the top rope. I was like... oh that's gonna end the austin era right here
1: gonna let austin Um, take yet another loss
2: yeah
4: scott (laughs) said no baby no baby no (laughs) exactly
2: (laughs) my goodness um I, i actually went a star and a half um on this um yeah it was the less said about this the better
1: all right logan round it out
4: uh i i'm i'm with you sean i went one um, I, I thought Austin and Vader were like, was a hell of a random ass team to throw out here on a Saturday, uh, Saturday night, uh, episode, but, uh, I, I'm, I'm here for it at the same time. Um, PN News getting any offense on Austin or Vader is an absolute embarrassment to WCW as a company. Uh, it's, it's bad. It's just not good. Um, I also made the note about JR saying he probably shouldn't comment about News's waistline and then immediately
1: commenting on it. Um. <laughs> He reminded I, me of weird, Al, uh, what's his name, Lord Al, on some of those uh, shows where you talk mm. <laughs> he talks some supple. That's what he kind of yeah. reminded me Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's what it reminded me of.
4: Absolutely. Um, but I, I did, I did enjoy watching Vader pummel both guys, uh, when, when he did. Um, but I, I also kind of don't like that Austin kind of had to get a fluke pin on news to win. I, I didn't like that at all. And, uh, You know at one point uh news actually kind of gets a visual pin fall on austin so they're not really making austin look very strong in this in this episode but we've been talking about in these matches because he's taking a loss and then he basically takes a visual loss here but the referee is uh i believe mike adkins again and he still sucks (laughs) um but uh we're gonna go uh, i went one yeah all right so overall on that one 1.25.
1: All right. So we're not getting, we're getting some low scores here tonight. Um, and obviously we still have the great six man we talked about. So we're going to transition to our next match also on Saturday night. It is Rick Rude versus Steve Armstrong of the Young Pistols. And, uh, this is actually our first look at Rude on TV since Halloween Havoc. So Rude's music at this point is very generic. Um, he doesn't have that great theme yet that we all go to know and love. Now, I don't know. Is that one of the WWF pan music or WWE pan music? Or was that his legit music at the time? I don't know. Did Do any of you guys know Matt, you would probably know you're usually a like a savant on this shit. Do you know? I, I did not know. I didn't notice. I,
3: I, I feel like a lot of the WCW music at this time isn't dubbed. I don't think
1: so. Okay. It might, it might've been his real one, but I'm not hundred percent sure. I mean, I didn't think it was as hip as Dustin's great value uh, money for nothing. That's why I was wondering if it was one of those piped in things. But anyway, um, I thought the Young Pistols was an absolutely dumb name. But again, the Southern Boys, I guess, was too territory. Although Rude didn't really care because he called the crowd Southern Fried Sweat Hogs, um, <laughs> which is funny to me, because if you know anything about Sweat Hogs, that is a reference to uh, the 1977 TV sitcom Welcome Back, Cotter. So clearly we are a little outdated in the Sweat Hog line. Oh, which, I, of course, uh, uh, us 30 year olds. Yes. That. So Sweathogs is very outdated. Like, he needs to come up with a new gimmick because I think he used Sweathogs a lot in the WWF as well. But okay. Uh, JR sells the Sting versus Rude at the Clash for the U.S. title. Um, and then we also get the reveal of who has been sending Sting gift boxes, which I know we're all excited to talk about that on our next episode. Uh, Paul is very, very vocal at ringside, calling Armstrong a loser, uh, just like the Braves, which was good uh, Atlanta Heat. Uh, there was a this was a basic squash to give Rude some visibility and ring before his match against Sting. Rude wins with the Rude Awakening. Not much to this. Um, I really wasn't gonna uh, rate it, but I'll give it a one and a quarter just for Rude's showcase. And then after the match, uh Rude and Paul go out for an interview. Paul says that people want him to save WCW from Captain Oklahoma because WCW doesn't appreciate its top wrestlers or personalities. Then he rambles on about something about Clarence Thomas and bastards telling him to go to hell, which I thought was pretty funny. It was great here. Uh, He again states he is going to bankrupt the company until he's called Paul E. Turner. He promises a new U.S. champ at the Clash. Rude then says when he thinks of Sting, he thinks about how great of a champion is who has beaten all challengers. Then says, welcome to the club, Sting. That makes two of us. Says they have both done some great things, but never same place or same time. And at the Clash, that ends. He says when Clash is over um, and the world will see Sting was stunned. I really enjoyed this promo as well by both with Paul cementing his purpose and Rude putting over how great he and Sting both are setting it up at the Clash. Um, and I also, like what he says, Sting has been, he goes, when Clash is over and done, the world will see Sting is stung. So I give him extra points on the rhyme uh, that he put in there for the bonus points. So, all right. So Matt, I'll go for you. Um, you can talk about the Rude Showcase. Again, I didn't rate, really rate the match, but I gave it one and a quarter for the Showcase a little bit. Uh, but um, what did you think about the promo? So the whole thing here with Rude and uh, Pauly, what would you think?
3: Yeah. I mean, the, the match, like you said, was pretty much nothing. I mean, I, I want to star on it just because, I mean, it was technically fine. It, it was very long for the type of match they were doing here. I'll say that, but I mean, it, it was uh, totally fine for what it was. Uh, I, I thought the promo was fantastic. Uh, this Paul E. Dangerously fellow. Now I think he's a great promo. I don't know if I'm alone in
1: thinking that. But uh, <laughs> I mean, what 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 has he really ever accomplished after this? You know. Right.
3: I mean, he's done. He's he hasn't run a company, or you know, he's not he's not a manager of a beast or anything like that, or or a tribal chief at this point. So, yes. but yeah, I, I mean, uh, the line where he says he's gonna bankrupt the whole damn company <laughs> until they call him Paul E. Turner was fantastic. What a great fucking line. Yeah. Uh so great and then rude was really good here too i like him mentioning that you know he and sting have never been in the same place at the same time i thought that was really uh, a nice line and then uh the uh the whole world seeing that it was sting who was stung i thought that was a nice way to put a bow on the promo too so yeah uh, great stuff from both guys here
1: all right yeah i i again i think this is like i gotta remember obviously i was ni- 91 i was i just graduated high school but one of the things I really loved about this promo, because I do remember watching this promo, it sold me. I was, and by the way, they've done a great job with this with Sting and Rude, and it's interesting how they just did the debut at Halloween Havoc, and really this was the only other real sell job that Rude did in this getting to the mm-hmm. class because it was so quick. And I was immediately, in, I was immediately entrenched because I wanted to see this match now, and it was mostly because of this promo right here. Schiff, what would you think of this? Um, yeah, the match you know, what's already been said about the match. I did like how Rude's
2: tights had sting on them. Yes, so you know I forgot to mention that. Yep. You know who he's coming for with that? Um, and it was, like we said, it was basically like just a squash. Um, you know, Armstrong did what, that's what Armstrong was there to do, was just like, hey man, you're, you're going to get your ass beat. Um, I, I just want to star in a half, just, just basic squash. And I really can't reiterate what, you know, add anything else to what, uh, Susan you said about the um, about the promo. They were they were just amazing. I love Jr. being called Captain Oklahoma. Yes, <laughs> and, that was good
1: too. And you know, uh,
2: you know, Paulie sort of did win at the very end because WCW did go bankrupt and got bought. So
1: maybe yeah, I don't, Paulie, it don't, it Paulie's took it playing a, the long game. It only mm. took it, it only took another ten years, but his his play. Well, look, these great. things
3: these things take time.
1: Yeah, you can't take down big companies in Ted Turner in a matter of months but <laughs> i don't know vince sort of t- almost took his company down in a matter of months
3: well this that's is true, that is, very, is that, true. Very, that is very
1: very true uh logan wrap us up on this one what would you think rudin
3: uh, matt,
4: matt did you rate that match
1: uh yes
3: i went a star
4: okay all right i'm just making sure i, I had I had to do my math um sorry uh but uh, i went one one and a half like uh uh shifted i i was much more of a match than i was expecting i, I would have expected it to be a little quicker but well if i think gonna... they had
1: to give rude that long showcase right to kind of mm-hmm. get him ready yeah
4: yeah yeah but i i was i was gonna say if you give him give him an extended squash to make like a guy that just came in kind of look good putting putting him over uh armstrong is a solid choice uh to throw in there with him i thought that he's a pretty good hand so uh he he made he made rude look good and rude did what he needed to do uh, in the match. Um, but you know, Polly says his path won't stop until he's basically running WCW, like y'all said, and uh, Rude will be uh, US champion after the clash, and that'll be part one of the plan will be in place. And then uh, obviously Rude says Sting will be stung, like y'all all said. Uh, I thought it was a really strong promo by both guys, and it got me really excited to see the match at the clash.
1: All right, excellent. So, uh, fi- I mean, not that it really matters, but the final rating.
4: Ah, uh, one point three one two five.
1: Yeah, so we haven't had really great matches tonight, but I mean, the match, the match in this wasn't what was important for me. It was about the promo and Rude kind of getting that long extent. I like what you said about Armstrong because I guess for me, I was a little, I was a little perturbed because Armstrong. Well, I guess it makes sense because the Young Pistols are supposed to be the top number one challengers to the Patriots. So I mean, they're I guess Jesus. I guess it's okay to job them the Rude because. They're going to probably job under the Patriots too. Um, I think in the long run that the Young Pistols do end up beating the uh, beating them at one point. But again, it doesn't matter. The U.S. U.S. Tag Titles mean jack's shit at this point. All right, so we're going to close out this episode with one last promo from Saturday night, and it is Sting who is out with Jr. after he has a match with one Thomas Rich. Uh, he puts the U.S. title over Jr.'s shoulder. Uh, he brings up the box and then Sting babbles about invitations and birthday candles. But this time, we find out who it is. Then he brings up Rude and says, at Clash, Uh, we'll have that belt on the line um, and says something about you're going to bite into something bigger than a birthday cake. Uh, Medusa walks out, Sting says maybe it's a rude awakening already and asks if she's tired of Rude already, which I thought was pretty funny. Sting trying to be, I don't know, man, Sting with women is uncomfortable for me. And I'll talk more about that on our next episode because (laughs) um, it was really, anyway, we'll get to that. Medusa gets in his face and says he will see how rude he is. And says it will be a cold day in hell before he gets his stinger next to her. She walks away and says rude. uh, She walks away and he says rude. Will get stung. And my producer might get stung too. Then he stops himself, which again, pervert sting uh, just doesn't seem very natural. I mean, he's like the kid's number one baby face, and he's sitting there like making sexual innuendo. It was very, very uncomfortable. Um, Anyway, Sting's promos are not his thing. Uh, but I thought it was another promo to sell the class. I remember at the time, what a big match feel felt like closing this show out. So, Matt, what did you think of this closing uncomfortableness with Sting, but the greatness of Medusa, which Logan will disagree with on Medusa?
3: <laughs> Boy, uh, uh, sex, p- sex pest stings sure was his choice. huh? Sex, my sex, God. Sex, sexual pest. predator sting. <laughs> yes. Good, I mean, Jesus. Like, when's the last time this man fucked anything? He was a- like. <laughs> Like, it was just oozing out of him. You could fucking see it. Like, good yeah. lord, man. J- j- you have a hand. Use it, for Christ's sake. Good I- lord. Jesus. I mean, well, seriously, though. A he's very like,
1: serious podcast.
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I'm making a uh, serious point. He was very horny, is what I'm saying. He he, he very much was, yes. Masturbation yeah.
4: is a very serious subject, Sean.
1: Absolutely. Master <laughs> stinging, is what we call it. Go ahead. <laughs> but... Yeah,
3: this was real fucking weird. Like, I I don't know what exactly the point of this was, besides uh, saying that Sting had one more package to open up. It's just real fucking weird. Like, it it almost feels like they're trying to shoehorn this thing with Medusa, with Sting, like it's just super weird. And then Sting ends it by saying, Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Like, Oh, right. I'm supposed to be a a role model to children. And I'm, I'm talking about fucking this lady. I shouldn't have done that. Like (laughs) good Lord. Uh, This, this sure was a
1: promo and a a hell of a way to wrap things up here. Yeah. It was a great way to end the build. You're going to the class. I can only (laughs) imagine like when they're in the back, him and dusty talking about, all right, baby, you're going to go out there and you're going to talk about wanting to fuck Medusa. (laughs) And you're going to sexual innuendo. I can just see, like... Anyway, Shif, what did you think of this? Well, spoiler
2: alert. um, Sting is my favorite wrestler of all time. I'm
1: I'm sorry to hear that. Mm. (laughs) Did this ruin it for you?
2: Uh, No. So I just see it, like, through rose-colored glasses with him. Like, um, I I loved, like, just, like, how he put, like, the title belt on um, Ross. And he made it it seem like a big deal, which... You know, uh, as we spoke about last episode, um, Luger's basically gone um, from after the clash, besides the uh, match, besides uh, the starcade, until February. So this feud is going to be carrying the whole promotion, which is right now appears to be just Rude versus Sting. We haven't got any other um, an- ancillary really people. So. I was okay with it. Um, I'm sure as a little kid when I was watching it, I did not understand what he was trying no, to seduce me.
1: I didn't either when I was watching it at 18. I That's just older Sean picking up on it because he's a pervert. At yeah. 18, you didn't realize this, Jesus. No, man. I mean, listen, you know, back then the days were different. You didn't, you know, there wasn't uh, like sex. There wasn't that, like, you know, it's different when you're older. Yeah.
2: But, um, looking back now, it's like, damn, they're really trying to push, like, the boundaries. Because, like you said, Sean, Sting is, like, the number one babyface in the company, but also, like, you know, he's known for his little stingers, and here he is talking about his little stingers and the little stinger being his penis. So... <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's a little, like you said, it's a little rough, but, like, I will... I just can't, like, see anything like, you know, I won't go too bad on it. so...
1: Well... If you thought this was bad, wait until we get to our next episode because oh. that, that one I can't wait to talk about because uh-huh. that was a whole nother level. Uh, but anyway, guys, that closes us out for this episode. We... Hey, I never said anything. Oh, Logan, my bad. Sorry. <laughs> I, I got too entrenched in the Sting promo. and thinking. He was for... thinking about the little stingers. I was thinking about Sexual Predator Sting, and it took me out. So go ahead, Logan. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
4: Yeah, you know the you know the song Simple Man um Matt uh that song, that song is about uh 18-year-old Sean so Oh good uh, <laughs> I I'm just playing and we got a little invasion of uh Brett Hitman Shiftlet over there with a the
0: The
4: <laughs> yeah, just, uh, it's real basic, and yeah, there's a lot of innuendos. And, you know, Medusa's gross, so it would just. Uh, I, I, didn't enjoy
1: it. <laughs> I love your I didn't, Medusa hate uh, so much. I didn't
4: enjoy it very much. Uh, sting basically just said he was going to start stinging a lot of things, so there was a lot of stinging going on. And I really think the idea of calling your penis the little stinger is probably not a good idea. Because do he, uh, he was going to get the big slip. sting.
1: He was going to use a little stinger on Ruda Medusa, both. So I don't know what that entails. But. Yeah, Devil's three I, way. Yes, Devil's Freeway. <laughs> yes. I, I
4: wasn't a huge fan, but you know, it's Sting. He just yells a lot and woos and all all that good stuff. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, they clearly should have ended the. They should have clearly should have ended this on the rude promo and then moved on. Because, mm. but anyway, think, at least I think we made history
3: here. Uh, <laughs> this is the most that anybody has talked about Sting's penis on a podcast. Um.
1: Well, wait till next episode, and we'll see how oh, long we get to go on true. that one. So, you know, yeah. next episode might, you know, break <laughs> the internet when we do that. Um, so anyway, if you were tuning in for a really serious podcast tonight, um, uh, we kept our balance until we got to the end because there was no way in hiding that. And <laughs> based on, based on the personalities on this show, there was no way that was going to go anything, but the way it just did. So I, and, I, and I dialed it back. Yes. And I appreciate you guys <laughs> for staying true to who you are. So thank you for that. Um uh, so guys, that ends the episode. So let's do our end of episodes awards. Our next episode, take, all this builds to the classroom where we're going to the class. So Logan, uh, from a match rating standpoint, what was our best match? The six man?
4: Our best match was the six man on this episode.
1: And worst match. Uh
4: News and Zinc versus Vader and Austin. Just slightly worse than uh well, Rude. Rude Armstrong was a squash. So the yeah, that, that News Zinc uh Vader Austin match got less less stars.
1: Wow, I'm very happy to hear the Patriots. <laughs> The Patriots did not get worse matched tonight, which that, that was just because, because of you though. Was because you. Yeah, that was you. <laughs> you, you you're, very, you're, very, you're very welcome. Yeah. I am very I'm a big fan of uh, Trip the Firebreaker. I'm a big fan of his at this point. Um all right, so let's go right into it. So Matt, most dangerous for you. Oh yeah, uh, this is tough. I think
3: I think I'm gonna go with Arn. Because I, I, I really like the promo. I really liked... Uh, I mean, uh, it's really tough. But I, one's I, hard. Yeah, uh, I think I'm going to go with Arn. And I, I'm reserving the right to change it after I hear what you guys say. <laughs> All
1: right. Well, I am thinking through mine as well. Because I think I'm where you're at in terms of which ones it would be. So, Schiff, I'll go to you next.
2: I, I went with Arn. But a strong case could be made for Rude. Uh, we start to see him be that's
1: not where I was going. So solidified,
2: yeah, especially with the squash at the end and um, the promo. But Arn just puts it over for me. For I, I enjoyed his tag match. Like they won the tag match with um, uh, against Wyndham and Ron, and then they were in the six man. They didn't win, but he didn't take the pin. And then he had that great promo with Dustin. So that's why he's the most
1: dangerous. That's a fair assessment, Logan.
4: Uh, I'm going to go with Paulie. I thought he really killed it with that last promo, so he, he's he's number one for me.
1: You know, I was actually torn between Bobby Eaton and Arn, but Bobby Eaton because of his matches, but I think I'm going to lean in on Arn. I think you're right. I think he was, but all the matches he was in tonight, he was great, <laughs> um, and that promo just sealed the deal for me being excited for what I'm going to see at the Clash. He sold that whole thing, so I think I'm going to go with Arn, too. Uh, this is going to be interesting. Least dangerous, Matt. See,
3: uh, I feel like I'm torn on this one, too, because there was nothing like real bad as far as like and like if there was somebody involved in something bad, like eating with the Patriots, for instance, Mm -hmm. uh, they were able to make it. He was able to make it up by having that three star match from worldwide. So it's real tough. So uh, I think I'm going to go with rude here just because he didn't really do much. He had a squash, a fairly standard squash match, and he he had a a quick promo and that was kind of it. So I, I think I think I think you kind of have to go with Rude here, just because everybody else did something that was really well done, and Rude really didn't, except for the promo. So,
1: uh, all right, I'm gonna have to think through my mind, shift. What'd you think? I went with Larry. <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> Larry, <laughs> was in... <laughs> Larry was in... Larry. Well, Larry was in what? What? Oh, he's in two matches tonight. Yep.
2: Yeah, and right. you know, I, last time I went with Eaton, I'm pretty sure, but um, yeah, Larry, Larry, last time.
1: I'm going off to Larry land. Hmm. All right. I will go to you, Logan.
4: I'm going to go with Austin. He took the pin and the six man and he didn't really look that good or was presented very well in that, uh, Vader zinc news match. So I'm going to go with Austin on this one. I probably never give it to him again. So I figured this was probably the one time I probably could.
1: Logan, I'm with you. I'm an Austin for the same exact reason that you said. And I know that's shocking and you're right. It'll probably never happen again. Uh, but I'm with Austin. I'm with you. All right, so our last uh, our last award here. So on a scale of one to five, this episode being part of the Dangerous Alliance journey um, and the story that we're trying to tell in terms of when they form and where they're going, uh, Matt, what would you give this on a scale of one to five, this watch that we just did? Take into account everything, the promos. Yeah, some mm-hmm. of the matches weren't great, but take everything into account and the build and where we're going. So... Uh-
3: we're still in this weird period where the Dangerous Alliance hasn't officially, officially been announced yet, but at least we got something here that resembles a Dangerous Alliance thing with the
1: rude stuff and the, and there's uh, seeds there with Eaton too. Right,
3: so, the seed yeah. and the seeds are there. So yeah. I'm th- I'm thinking two and a half. For Mm -hmm. this, just because, you know, we're not quite fully into Dangerous Alliance stuff, but at least the seeds are being planted. And it's unlike last episode where nothing fucking happened, at least stuff happened here and the stuff that happened here were pretty good. So I, two and a half sounds good to me.
1: All right. And I was going to lean on. I was, you know, I was going to go three because I'm trying to think through this. You know, you had the Enforcers pick up a big win over Wyndham and, you know, Wyndham's going to be part of where we're going um Eaton, the the groundwork was laid in two different instances with Eaton. um the saturday night was really good in terms of the promo from rude um but then sting again even though sting's thing really sucked in terms of his promo but it still led to where we're going i think i'm going to go a little higher i think i'm going to go three and just because i think it laid a lot of foundation of where we actually see this going at this point which is impressive considering the majority of this was taped before halloween havoc so I mean, for V and WCW, I think they've laid it out pretty great heading into the class. So I'm going to go three on that. So, Schiff, what about you?
2: Yeah, I'm going three as well. And
1: most of that is on the back
2: of uh, Rick Rude and also um, Bobby, Bobby Eden. Eden. Yep. Because like we saw like the first part where you know he accidentally punches a firebreaker chip in the face. And then he doesn't come to Dustin's aid when... They're beating him down. So it's like, you know, we're getting a little breadcrumbs there where I'm sure if I was a normal watcher in 1991, I might have been able to pick up on it if I was the same age. I definitely wasn't picking up on it on two or three years old like I was at the time. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm going three as well. Um, next episode may break the scale, but um,
1: we'll see. <laughs> it's possible. Spoiler. Uh, all right, uh, Logan, wrap it up.
4: So. Uh, I went, I went two and a half with Matt. Uh, I, I just think there, 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 was a really good match on at the six man. Uh, most of the other matches were pretty middling. Uh, the first match was pretty good, um, but I think this, there's definitely still room for some improvement. So I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I'm tempering my uh, ratings because I don't want to go too high too early or, or you know, go the same thing every time. So I'm gonna go two and a half uh, just because I think there's some room for improvement. But there was a lot of stuff that happened and there was a really good match. So uh, two and a half for me. And okay. that, that that pulls it to a two point seven five uh, altogether. So
1: okay. So what? So what? What were we on one and two?
4: Uh, two was a one because yes. we all yes. went one on it, and then three point three seven five was episode number one.
1: All right. Well, I do. I, I mean, shift spoiled it, but I do think our next episode may might break the trend in terms. Of, it might be the highest one. But we'll. So on our next episode we are going to be joined by a special guest and I have asked a special guest to join us on any of the class shows on any of the pay-per-views that we cover on this show. Um, And that'll be uh, Jacob Williams. You guys all know from the ruthlessly aggressive podcast and highway to the impact zone over on the place to be feed. But um, I think it'll be cool to bring him in and get his perspective. We're doing kind of the watches leading up to the big events. It'll be cool to kind of get his perspective. Jake, I know loves um, WCW and timeframes. So I thought he'd be a really good add to this. So um, we will cover the clash on our next episode. So I really enjoyed this watch. Like there was a lot of things that weren't great, but some of the nuggets they threw in there really made it an enjoyable watch, regardless of how we feel about some of the matches. So um, really enjoyed doing this pod. And, you know, three episodes in, I'm, I haven't hesitated once to say, God, I'm glad we're doing this. So, uh, Matt, anything you would like to plug before we go? <laughs>
3: can find me right here on this feed on the Extreme Three-Way Dance. We are in 1997, so uh, definitely give that a listen if you have not. And uh, I I believe the four of us are on uh, every other podcast that we all do together, so uh, we'll go ahead and let everybody else uh, talk about uh, that stuff, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at msusa1991. Sounds good. Uh, Shif?
2: Yeah, you can uh, find all of us and Jake on YouTube Roulette, uh, you can also, that's on the place to be, uh, Nation feet, Wrestling Feed. You can also find me and Sean on Crock and Roll with Callum and Dr. G. We are on um, June of 1986. Uh, me and Sean just did a recap of SummerSlam weekend as we spent the whole weekend together, uh, pretty much. Uh, exploring Nashville and um, seeing a bunch of old wrestlers. And I can be found on Twitter at Scott underscore shiplet.
1: All right. And Logan.
4: Yeah, you mentioned kind of the one that I host, uh, Highway to the Impact Zone, that Jake's on. Uh, we just did Bound for Glory 2005, and we uh, just did the two shows after that as well. Our next one will be the last show before we get to Genesis 05. So um, we're moving right along in 05. We're in November, so we're getting close to 2006, so we've almost completed our second year of the uh, – of the pod so I'm, I'm looking forward to keeping going on that one uh, i do the salad pods popcorn chicken salad where we watch uh kind of guilty pleasure movies and then uh wrestling chicken salad where we uh, watch bad pay-per-views uh we have a we're recording an episode of that coming up on breaking point 2009 so that's more modern show than we usually wow do. So yeah i'm kind of I'm looking forward to that one
1: <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I, that's the most modern show that I'm aware of that we that, you know, any time we've done that show. So that's that'll be cool to listen to. because That's a show I have no absolutely recollection of.
4: Mm-hmm, absolutely. That's the same with me. So I'm, I'm kind of yeah. looking forward to doing it. You're
1: better off. <laughs> well, I know, but all, the, all those like later shows all run together for me. So I'm glad that you're going, you know, to do that stuff. That's really good. The last thing that I will uh, that I will uh, say is uh, Shift brought it up. Um, I do. I still do the before I was a Mark pod. Um, where I kind of do a quick like pod blast, looking at three matches that I've never watched, uh, pre-dating uh, my wrestling fandom. So anything pre like July 1986. So that is still going on. That's on uh, Place to Be Nation Wrestling feed. Um, I I hope they start being more on YouTube, roulette and Highway to the Impact Zone because they are still two of my favorites. I got to be on Highway to the Impact Zone on an episode that dropped today, as of this recording, Matt. I thought it was a lot of fun. Probably went off the rails a couple of times, um, talking about some things like mesh and things like that, but it was still a lot of fun. That doesn't Uh, sound like us. No, not at all. And the last thing that I'll bring up is uh, crock and roll. We did just uh, record episode number 50, uh, which is kind of a big milestone episode uh, where Schiff and I talk about all things national weekend, uh, starting with our debauchery and drunkenness on Friday to StarCast from G, uh, GC, uh, game, GCW uh, to SummerSlam, uh, butt slam, because SummerSlam suck. Um, but last, we'll wrap it up with our trip. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll wrap it up with our trip to uh player's last match where many people are on, and I might have overindulged on how much I enjoyed Jeff Jarrett Uh that most of you, like Matt, knows very well. So, um, But I would like to thank you guys for getting me back on point for joining the TNA pod because it made me hate Jared again. So thank you for bringing me out of that. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, very much appreciate it. So that is all, guys. Uh, we will be back in two weeks where we will cover Clash of the Champion 17 for another edition of 7 Months in Danger, and we will talk to you then. There is